Thanks, Amy. Um, Why don't we just stand uh, for the reading of the Word, and if you've got your Bibles on you, uh, Matthew 6, verse 16 uh, through to 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen, not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Lord, I just thank you for your precious word um, that is as real to us today as when you spoke it. And Lord, we just pray that it would go deep into our hearts today. We want to have soft hearts for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. You want to take a seat? So, yeah, we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. So that's going to run from today, which is the first day, and that's going to run up to the Saturday, the 27th of May. And then on that Sunday, we're going to be all finished fasting, like Amy said. So we're going to have a big celebration and, and obviously some kai. We're going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday with Glenn France, who's coming from Grace Vineyard in Christchurch, and I'm really excited about that. Um, but basically, you know, why are, we, why are we doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting? A lot of churches do these sort of things. There's nothing magical about 21 days. Um, it's just a set period of time. But I feel like it's something that God has been putting on my heart for the church. I had as I was praying early in the year for some things that we're going to really go into this year and really lean into. And I felt like there's a sense that we need to change gears, um, that that. God is doing something in our midst that started building as we started term one, and we saw the fruit of that through Easter camp and the Intermediates Conference and even last Sunday. And just, just anecdotally, just what I'm experiencing as a pastor is I'm after two or three years of people really struggling because of circumstances in life, I'm seeing a hunger in people. I'm seeing an enthusiasm to be with God and with each other. And I, I, I think it's important that we're, we're intentional about that. Because if we're not, what's going to happen is we're going to just default back to our autopilot. Sort of, We're going to go back to our old rhythms of, of just going through the motions. And that's why it's really important when you do these sort of things. It's great because it breaks through those, those autopilot tendencies to be like, nah, for this three weeks, we're going to really be intentional about this and press in. Of course, that's going to look different for all of us, but as a community, we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to lean in, and that's what I'm calling you in today. Um, there's nothing compulsory here, Kori Mako. This is an invitation, but I just want to put the challenge out, and I just want to encourage you to, 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 to at least think about it and ask Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to do over this time? And I guess the thing that for me that it's been stirring in my heart is um, many of you are probably aware of what happened in Asbury a University in America. Um, there's, there's something of the Spirit of God that is, is stirring in the earth, I believe. And it, and it made me think back to, um, I've never lived through a revival, and I hope I do, um, but I, I have experienced something called a renewal. And, and a renewal is when God, in his, you know, God's presence is everywhere, right? He's, he's here right now. He's, he, if you're a Christian, he lives within you. The Holy Spirit lives within you, and he's around you. Uh, he's closer than, than the very air. But 
but there are times where, where God's people kind of contend for things and lean in and cry out to God that there's like a, you know, it's called a manifest presence. It's like there's a, there's a greater awareness of his presence, his power, and his love. And I lived, I was a teenager in the, in the 90s, the late 1900s, I suppose now. Uh, <laughs> and they had this thing called the Toronto Blessing. And uh, if you're from charismatic circles or Pentecostal circles, you're probably familiar with it. But if you're not, basically what it was, was that God was in his grace and his mercy, was, was pouring out that love, was pouring out that power, and moving on his people. And it disrupted our, that, those autopilot tendencies that we get into. So what would happen um, is that you'd have a meeting, and literally like the person... You know, leading worship would like kind of strum like ding, like one you know one one chord or or you'd get through a chorus or something and then whoa, everyone was like crying and laughing and people were on the floor and you know some people just had a deep peace but there was this like this kind of this it was just like if you'd walked into that room and you didn't know anything about what was going on you'd be like what's going on here and I just remember just like it almost looked like a war scene or something. Like you'd, you, I, I remember looking up. I was just sitting in one of the chairs on the side of our old church, and and, and looking up and seeing all these people like sprayed out all over on the floor, just enjoying God. It was it was a beautiful time of enjoying God, and I guess I feel like, and I could be wrong, and totally, I'll put my hand if I am. But I feel like God really wants to visit His people, but I think He wants to do more than just bless us. I think He wants to pour that out into the, the community, which is all is his heart, into this transform our society, you know, because honestly, guys, it's not going to come through political means or through education or through significant people being in significant places. It's going to come from the people of God getting on their knees, crying out, praying and fasting and contending for his kingdom to come. Amen? That's how it always comes. Whenever there's been times where the church has been dry, where it's been on its knees, it's always been some faithful saints who are just, often just a handful, had just been committed to like put intentional time aside to be like, we're going to pray and we're going to gather and we're going to do this. And sometimes for years. And then God's power and his presence breaks out and transform a society. They believe in England uh, around the time of John Wesley um, when he led that sort of revival they believed that there was that people were talking about Christianity was going to die out. This is in the 1700s. It was going to die out in within a generation. They were talking about this. It's, people were proclaiming it kind of like, hey, it's, it's over. It's the Enlightenment. We've got to this point, and it's gonna, this thing is going to be over. But people like Wesley and John Whitfield and these ones, they led a revival that transformed the nation of England and sent out a, a great awakening that transformed America as well, and then throughout the world. Um, but again, just faithful people, filled with the power of God, contending for his kingdom. And I believe God wants to do that now. Amen? Like, do we believe that, that God could do this in our time? That's the cry of my heart, in our time, Lord, would you pour out your spirit, not just for me, but for my kids, my grandkids, and my great-grandkids who I probably won't see, but... Lord, that the faith would carry on, not only just carry on, that it would flourish. Because if you, I don't know if you've seen the census results from the last 2018 one, Christianity is really struggling as a faith in, in, in Western countries. And I believe if we see these new statistics, it's probably going to look 
it's like it's retreating again. So it is only through the power of God and the people of God contending that we will see that change. And that's something that I, as a, as a pastor and a leader, I, I don't want to manage the decline of the Western church. I want to play my part and I want us as a church to play our part as part of a big kingdom to see his kingdom come in this city and this nation. Jonathan Edwards, uh, he was a revivalist in America in the 1700s, he defined revival as the acceleration and intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. And I love that because it's just so, it's just so normal as well, you know, because it's talking about the, what God is doing in our daily lives. There are times when there's an acceleration and intensification of that where we see this, the power of God coming in a powerful way. But it's actually just the acceleration of the normal things God is always doing and always up to. And I think for us, um, with this contending thing, I've, I've thought about that there's a, there's a theology which I think is very helpful for understanding why, why life is and why things happen and why things don't happen. And it's, it's, you might be familiar with it, it's called the now and the not yet. And so what it's basically saying is that there's certain things that, that are, are now, like Jesus has died on the cross, we can have our sins forgiven, uh, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, like these are things that we have now. Um, but sometimes there is the not yet. Sometimes people don't get healed, and sometimes they do. And it's an example of, 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 the, the, of what will happen one day, breaking into this present moment. Is, you know, but I feel like, um, as, as, like a, as a charismatic and, and someone who, 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 I guess, believes in these things, which I, I assume most of you probably do, is, is that we probably tend to just by default hit the not yet camp, right? So we pray for things and, um, and, and, and we keep praying and then, and then, we, and then we get disappointment because we're not seeing them happen. We're not seeing that person coming to salvation. We're not seeing that healing. Uh, we're not seeing that, that breakthrough in that marriage or that, or, the, or that relationship with someone. And so I think we, we kind of get into the oh, yeah, not yet, you know, kind of thing. And, and maybe it is not yet, but, but I think we default to that place too quickly, right? Like we are a people that should be contending for the now. And it's a mystery why it is one or the other, but it's like, no, I want to be a person that contends for the things of God now, that the kingdom, the future kingdom of God would break through now into our situation. St. Augustine said this... Um, you know, um, without God, we can do nothing. Without us, he will not. So it, it actually is all up to God in a sense of that he is sovereign, that he has the power to break through to all our situations and stuff. But he is a kind of God that, that works with humans in partnership. So he wants to work with us. He wants us to come after him. And in, the, um, in Luke's gospel, there are these two interesting stories that Jesus gives as parables. And one is a, a parable of uh, the persistent widow with the unjust judge. And the other one is about a, a persistent neighbor knocking on a grumpy neighbor's door asking for some bread. And the point of those two stories is, is not that God is grumpy <laughs> or that he's unjust, because Jesus says in, those, in one of those parables, he says, how much more will the Father give 
the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. So what Jesus is saying, if, if a persistent widow knocking away uh, at, at, at this judge, you know, this judge going back to this unjust judge and saying, you know, this is my case. You need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. Or in that story with the neighbor, like, come on, it's two in the morning, but I need bread. If that guy can give him three loaves of bread and that unjust judge can say, yes, no, I will give you your decision in your favor, how much more will our good father do that for us? And I think that's the heart of contending, of being people who contend for the kingdom of God to break through, that we will persist. And sometimes we won't see things happen, but we're going to keep persisting until we see things happen. And we're going to keep crying out for God to move in our lives. And, you know, we'll have disappointments, yes, but we want to see him move in our lives, don't we? I do. I just want to go after this thing. I am, um, a, I'm a bit of a fanboy of this guy called John Tyson. I probably go on and on about him and John Mark Comer too much. But there's a really interesting thing. I was listening to a series he had just done recently. And in the series, he, he talked about, he's kind of looked at all the revivals around the world. And just from his own experience, he's a guy who really contends for things. He's a man who does a lot of prayer. And he just said this thing. He said, he said this is the secret source of any kind of renewal or revival. God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. Like I said before, God is here. He's omnipresent, totally. But, but in a sense of that, God coming with his power and his, his presence, that liquid love that transforms our hearts, you know, he's looking for hungry people who want him, who want to be in his presence, who want to be, to seek after his heart. It says in James's gospel, uh, not James's gospel, James's uh, letter, it says, you know, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And it's not that God is, um, is uh, indifferent to us. No, he's totally, he's like the father and the prodigal son. He's so excited to be with us. But there's something about the father's heart that wants us to chase after him, to pursue him, like to, to go after him like he's going after us. You know, just like I'm a father of kids and, and you come back from a trip and you've been away and, it is, you know, they don't do it when they're teenagers, but when they're little kids, they kind of run up and they grab onto your leg and they're so excited to see you. When they're teenagers, they're like, what have you got for me? <laughs> <laughs> nah, they get a bit better than that. <laughs> but there's something of the father's heart that he, he longs to be wanted. Not because he's a narcissist, it's just because he's a loving father and he, he wants us to come after him. He wants to be wanted. In, in Acts, we, 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 we see this, uh, well, we see it right through the whole Bible, but we see this, this, this kind, of, uh, kind of consecrating yourself and setting yourself on something. Then, then, then you see the outpouring. There was an Acts, they, they were told by Jesus to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what they did for many, many days. They gathered together, and they prayed I'm sure they fasted because that was part of Jewish culture and they, they just waited and waited and waited until the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And that's what 
you know, that's what happened on Pentecost was that the power of God came into a room like we're in today. The power of God came in like a, like a sound of a rushing wind. There were flames upon people's heads and they spoke in other languages and the church was launched in a mighty way right there. But that all started with a, a massive long prayer meeting with set times and they were doing life, but they were contending for God and his presence. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And today I just wanted to, um, next week I'm going to talk a little bit more about contending prayer, but today I wanted to talk, um, as I go towards the end of my message today, I want to talk about fasting, because I think pretty much, like most of you, if I say, hey, look, we need to pray, you you get that, you know, you you probably have done that in some shape or form in your life, and you could, you could, you could, you know, you could get on board with that, but I would... I could be wrong, but I imagine a lot of you, if I, if I start talking about fasting, there could be some people here in the room who have never done that, never want to do that. Um, it's that it's, it's, I, I reckon it's probably one of the, um, one of the most hardest kind of pra- spiritual practices, but it's actually one of the most rewarding. And I, I just really want to unpack and just give a bit of a vision for, for what fasting is, that it's not just suffering, because <laughs> I love my food too. Uh, but it's actually, it's actually a very powerful spiritual practice, for a, not only for a, us as a church to do together over these 21 days, but something that I hope people would want to continue on afterwards, once we finish the 21 days, that you'd be like, I'm going to incorporate this into my life as a, as a spiritual practice that I want to do, because I'm seeing life out of this. In Joel 1.14, the prophet Joel um, says this to the people, Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land and the house of the, of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Um, consecrate just means to make or declare something sacred, and I didn't watch it last night, but that's what a lot of the coronation of the king is about. They're consecrating him as in a religious ceremony, anointing him and declaring that he is the king. Um, you know, as part of uh, what, what is a religious ceremony in the, in the Church of England. Um, but, but what the prophet Joel here is saying is like, consecrate yourself, like set yourselves apart, you know, reset in this moment and, and, and set yourself on God. And then he says this like, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants, get everyone in, on board, get everyone in. And he says, into the house of the Lord, get them into the church. And then he says, and then cry out to the Lord. You know, like this is a, it's a sense of, I know we hear this word corporate and, and you think, oh man, that sounds like a business or something. But the actual Latin roots of the word corporate just mean body. It's just like, get everyone in. We're going to have corporate prayer. We're going to have, we're going to pray together. We're going to fast together. We're going to do this as a church family together. Why? Because we want to cry out to God. We're not just doing it because we're, we're, we're saddest or something and we really like doing lots and lots of uh, um, fasting or something just for the sake of it. No, we're doing it because we want to see spiritual growth in our lives. We want to see spiritual growth in our church. But like I said before, um, I think fasting is, 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 is very difficult. It, I, 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 I probably say it's one of the hardest things for me. Uh, I was trying to remember, when's the first time I've ever done any kind of fasting? And, and sorry, um, yeah, by definition, fasting is, is, is going without, you know, food 
or going without types of food uh, for a set period of time. But uh, for me, I was remember the first time I did this was a World Vision. Anyone else do one of those, like, you know, 20 hours or 40 hour famine sort of thing? Yeah? Yeah. So I was about eight or nine, and uh, I'd gone around our Baptist church where we were at in Eltham or something, and I went around got everyone to sign up their little, you know, little donation slips and all that, and I had my barley sugars and whatever else you're, I think, was it, you're allowed juice, eh, or something, eh? Yeah. And, uh, and I was doing really well. Um, but I was, I was probably on the last, I think, I did the 20-hour one, I think, because it was about eight. And I was on the last, like, five hours to go. And um, I opened up the fridge just to have a look and think about what I could eat once I'd finished, you know. It's like, ooh, this is going to be good. And uh, for some reason, my mum had a cheesecake in there. <laughs> and I was like, man, that looks good. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've ever done this where you do that thing like, I'll just take a sliver. You know, no one will know. And so I just, like, got, like, a little, like, knife, and I was like, this it oh man that tastes good like oh like you know like all that sugar and goodness like just hit me at once I was like oh that's the goodness and and then I, and then I went back another sliver <laughs> next thing you know a whole big chunk of the cheesecake is gone and then I had to just keep that quiet to all those people who had uh, donated that money <laughs> so I'm confessing that now you know <laughs> asking for forgiveness you're out there on the podcast someone listening away in Eltham you know I I'm sorry, I didn't make it the full 20. <laughs> but I use that illustration to say that, you know, it is, it, fasting's actually really hard. Um, I, I find when I do, um, I go without food, I just find that all the, the aromas of food just come alive. Like, you're walking out of Bunnings and there's like one of those barbecues going and all those sausages sizzling, it's like those onions sort of marinating and it's like, oh... <laughs> I just like want to gnaw my arm or something after I'm two days into a fast or something. It's like, oh, it's so good. And like the smell of bread. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Is, is anyone experienced that who's done fasting before? <laughs> it's, it, is, um, it is a hard practice, but it's actually meant to be because you, you, you're actually starving the flesh. Um, it's very interesting in Matthew 6, the verse I read out at the start, Matthew 6, overall, Jesus actually gives three core practices that, that his, he believes his disciples should, should always do. One, he, you know, with the Lord's Prayer, he says, you, you know, when you pray, do this kind of thing. And then, and then he talks about giving, like giving to the needy. And then he talks when you fast. Now, I think most of us would say, yes, we need to pray. And yes, we need to give, particularly to the poor and the needy. But I think a lot of us are like, uh, no, 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 with the, the third one about fasting. And, and, and Jesus didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. And so there is an expectation from Jesus that, 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 that his disciples, this will be a core part of their, their, their discipleship. And this is something that was actually was very much a big part of the church for a long time. So, so the early Christians were, were Jews, and they used to fast twice a week. And so the, as, as the, the Gentiles joined in, they actually carried on that practice of fasting two times a week, and they actually um, changed it to Wednesdays and Fridays. And they did Wednesdays because Wednesday was the day Jesus was betrayed, and Friday, uh, Friday was the day he died. And so for, for, for mostly the biggest chunk of the church history, people would fast like this on Wednesdays and Fridays, and they'd fast like, I thought this was really beautiful, they used to fast till the first three stars came in the sky at night, and then they'd have like a small meal for the evening. 
And I thought, oh, what a beautiful, beautiful practice. And uh, yeah, the original Lent, and um, we just celebrated, well, not celebrated, but gone through Lent, um, actually would, would have been a 40-day fast. So the people would be doing that fasting all day long and then just um, finishing when the you know, first three stars got in the sky at night. And they'd do that for 40 days. And they believed that potentially... Um, Muslims um, saw that and used that as inspiration for Ramadan. That 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 was that practice. So that was a that was going right through the church right up until um, the Reformation. And this is what changed. So with the Reformation, um, a lot of the the Protestant reformers they wanted to get away from what was a lot of excesses and people. And there was some of those excesses there. But what they did was they threw the baby out with the bathwater. That fasting became kind of like a works thing. Like oh, we don't get into works. I don't get too legal and stuff. And it became something that was 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 pretty much like kind of neglected in the church. But I believe what God is doing now is bringing some of these things back. Um, because as you see in Matthew 6, that's a, that's a core practice that Jesus is inviting us into. And I believe what, is, what we're doing when we're fasting is what Romans 12.1 is talking about. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, a lot of our prayer is with our minds. It's our thoughts. It's mental assent, basically. But when you fast, you're actually like praying with your body. And if you've fasted for a period of time, you know that's true because your body talks and it makes these noises. (laughs) Feed me, (laughs) Nick. It reveals where our dependency lies. And through fasting, we, we dethrone King's stomach, as Jensen Franklin says. Um, you realize how, what a, a grip this has on you because it's the flesh. It's no, it's no accident that like, when we, we read in the Bible about in, in the Garden of Eden, the very thing that they're tempted with is food. And after Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days, consecrates himself before he starts his mission, filled with the Holy Spirit, what does the devil tempt him with? food like this is it's because it's such a big part of our desires is is food and when you when you actually stop you know you pull pull that away you it, it kind of reveals how much of a idol it's been in your life and how much um just like other things of the flesh um can can sort of take over our, our lives and it's like you're you're actually praying with your body um scott mcknight says it's it's body talk like it's our bodies. Um, because we're not just like separated things. We're not just like a spirit, a soul, and a body. We're intertwined. So when we're, when we're praying and then we're fasting, we're, we're, we're joining something very powerful together. It's, it's very powerful. Because I used to just think it was just like you're just doing this as a, like a duty or something. But it's actually part of our prayer life. And it's to starve the flesh and to feed the spirit. Um, and, and something I, I've, I've, I would encourage you, if you're struggling in, a, in an area of, 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 of sin or addiction or something, that actually I'd encourage you to, to look to fasting to kind of, in a sense, starve the flesh and feed your spirit, um, allow your spirit to become animated. As we, as we fast, the desire for sin goes down and our desire for God goes up. And fasting amplifies our prayers, I believe. 
It's a fasting is our way we, we grow in, in holiness and therefore we grow in power. There's a correlation with that. Um, there's, a, there's a famous um, passage that's in the Bible where the, Jesus sends these disciples out and uh, they try to pray for this, this, this kid who's got uh, he's demon-possessed and, and then, you know, eventually this, this kid and the dad come before Jesus and, and, he, and basically they're like, oh, we tried to pray for him but nothing happened sort of thing. And, and Jesus says, you know, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Like Jesus is saying that there's a level of power and authority that comes when you do these practices, when you do them together, that, um, that, that he is saying to the disciples. And I, and I believe as we as a church, you know, together, that there's going to be like a, a power and authority that's going to come to us. Um, you know, there, I, I know there are needs in our community uh, for healing, for breakthrough, for all sorts of things. And I, I'm just excited to, as we set out on this journey, as we consecrate ourselves, to see what God does in our midst um, as we do this. I, I wanna, I'm, I'm believing in faith we're going to see testimonies of people saying breakthrough. And something I want to encourage you with, especially when you're fasting, is that you often don't, you often don't see the breakthrough during the time. It's often in the wake of it after you've finished the fast, that you, you see the, uh, a lot of the breakthrough and you see um, a greater um, awareness of God's presence and stuff. But I just want to encourage you that sometimes as you're going through it, man, some days are going to just feel like horrible. Um, but it's like, nah, God, I, I want you. I want you in your kingdom. Richard Foster said this, um, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other things, but in fasting, these things surface. So as you fast, you probably some things are going to come to the surface in your life. And I just encourage you to journal them, to pray them, to give them to God. Just let God do a transformative work in you over this time. So, as I finish this morning, how can you join in with this 21 days of prayer and fasting? If you're a visitor here today, um, please feel free to say, just to, um, you know, just watch on sort of thing. You're welcome to join in with us. Um, but uh, if you're part of this community, I just want to put this invitation out to you in this challenge. Um, I encourage you to commit to some form of fasting over the next 21 days. So, before I just get into this, I just want to say I, I'm aware that we're all different ages stages of life that we have different work some of us work in very physically heavy jobs and and so it wouldn't be very safe to do a lot of fasting etc um, and I know some people might have like medical conditions maybe you, you might have something like diabetes or something where you need to always have food so um, please um, you know use wisdom here um, if you need to consult your doctor before you do any um, fasting um, please do um, but there's, a, there's lots of different ways you can do fasting. So obviously there's, there's like com, complete fasting, which is what most of the Bible talks about. This is basically going without food. And you might just be drinking water or some liquids perhaps. And um, you may want to do the full 21 days if you do. Well, awesome. That's great. Uh, or you might want to say, hey, I'm going to commit to Wednesdays. I'm going to fast till, you know, for, for the whole day. Um, or you might say, I'm going to miss a couple of meals on these days. But what I encourage you to do is, is make sure you pick um, a time, a frequency, and stick to it. Like, that's your thing. Like, this is what I'm doing. So you just don't drift sort of thing. Like, I'm going to do this. Um, 
Then there's, then there's um, obviously, I've already sort of got into partial fasting. Um, many people have probably done like the Daniel fast, um, which is, in essence, is just basically not eating rich food. So eating a, a lot of boring kind of food. Um, so you're taking a lot of the joy out, you know, but you're still getting that sustenance. Um, so maybe not eating meat and dairy products and chocolates and sweets and sugars and all these sort of things, tea and coffee perhaps, um, and you, you're doing that as a and that is a fast. You know, you're really giving this to the Lord. Um, maybe um, you might want to be doing like a you know, like I said a selective fast where you're you're saying I'm gonna I'm gonna fast during sunlight hours maybe, and then at dinner time I'm gonna break my fast every night. Or you might just be saying I'm gonna I'm, I'm just not going to have breakfast and I'm going to have break my fast at lunchtime or 3 p.m. or something. Um, yeah, there's lots of different ways that you could be doing this. And then and the last one is, is, is a soul fast. So uh, like I said at the start, I appreciate some people for age and stage or where you're at with your health um, might not be able to do, um, you know, going without food or a meal. Uh, but you could maybe look and say, Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to, to, to lay aside so I can have more of you? So that might be something like social media or TV or maybe coffee or tea or I don't. It could be something like that you could do that would still be okay for your health, but it would be something of a sacrifice to just say, Lord, I'm giving this to you because I want more of your presence. But I, I just encourage you to determine in your heart what you're going to do. Like ask Holy Spirit, what are you calling me into? Uh, I appreciate today's the first day of it, and uh, you might start tomorrow, and that's okay. Um, but don't miss this opportunity to for what God is calling into. And then, then for prayer, um, I'd really love it if everyone could do this. Like I think everyone can do this. Um, uh, could you commit to pray for these three things every day? I, whatever time you have your devotional time, at lunchtime or you know, breakfast or whenever it is at night, would you, would you even just for a couple of, of minutes or even 30 seconds, you might just want to take your phone out and take a photo. We'll put this up on Facebook and check it out on the newsletter and that. Um, but these are the three things that we're going to be praying in our, our corporate meetings and also we want everyone praying as a church together. The first one is pray for an outpouring of renewal in our church, our city and nation. Pray for the next generation that they'll be filled with God's presence and power. And pray for physical, mental, and emotional healing for people in our church whānau and people connected to our lives. So there's, I'm talking about friends and cousins and neighbours and work colleagues and all that there too. So you could spend an hour praying on that today, uh, you know, today or you could spend five minutes, you know, just you know, go through those points and just pray for them. But I just thought it'd be so powerful as a church community if we're all doing that every day, as well as knowing that there's people fasting, that we're, we're crying out to God. And then, just to add some extra of our contending, corporate prayer meetings. So tonight, 6, 6 p.m., uh, we're going to have a time of just soaking. So if you just want to come early and you just want to get your prayer journal out and just enjoy being in God's presence, we're going to have a time from 6 to 7. You don't have to come at that time if you don't want to. But then at 7 o'clock, we're going to then go into a time of intentional, contending prayer as a church. Um, we're going to pray into the, those things that we've just, I've just shared, and we're you know, going to pray through some scripture, and it's going to be really powerful. So we're going to be doing that on Sundays. Um, so that's this Sunday, uh, next Sunday, 
and uh, the one after. And then we're going to be doing Wednesday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. again, that contending prayer here at the church. And then, I'm very excited about this, on the 27th of May, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., we're going to have some time of worship and, and celebration, because that's the last night of the fast. And I'm, 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 we're going to pray for people, we're going to have some ministry time, and then, yeah, the next day is going to be Pentecost. So this is going to build over this time, and I'm, I'm very excited about what God is going to do.